Hello, welcome to the Transform Podcast. I'm here with my special guest, PJ Arzvald. PJ is our Renewal Church campus pastor. If you want to check them out, you could go to renewaldenver.org. Uh, we're going to take a breather from our comparative religion studies. Uh, you're welcome to check that out if you've missed any of those. If, if you want to just answer that question, do all religions lead to the same place? Um, what are the differences between all of the different religions that are out there? We would encourage you to follow along with that. Uh, next week, we'll, we will cover Mormonism and we'll jump back in. But today, what we wanted to cover was Ash Wednesday and Lent. Um, you can see that PJ and I, if you're watching via video, have the ashes on our foreheads. And so we're going to just talk about what is that all about? What, how can this season of 40 days be meaningful? And then what are some things to avoid too? I think we want to do that. So, all right. First talking point, PJ, here we go. Um, it is, so Ash Wednesday is preceded by something called Shrove Tuesday. Shrove Tuesday was meant to be a day historically where you figured out what you wanted to repent of for the season of Lent. However, it got changed to something we now know as Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras in French means Fat Tuesday. Yep. And I've never been to one of these things, but I think it has turned into crazy debauchery and immorality, and you just go crazy because you know you're giving up chocolate the next day. Yep. Uh, so, PJ, can you tell us more about this? Yeah, you know, it's really funny. Like you said, it started off as a way to kind of self-reflect. All right, I'm about to enter this solemn 40 days of Lent leading to Easter where I'm probably going to be giving something up. I'm going to take, you know, we're always taking our sins seriously, but to do some honest reflection and repentance. Um, and kind of like how Halloween started as All Hallows' Eve, the day before All Saints' Day. And if we're going to celebrate the saints this day, the day before is kind of, the ghouls and demons last day, and now let's make a bunch of fun out of it. It's kind of the same way where um, you took this serious day of reflection and people realize like, oh man, for 40 days, I'm not, I might not be having a whole lot of fun. So let's get all the fun out, right? Let's make a big party of it. Let's kind of go hard. Um, it makes me think a lot of uh, people when they're leaving like school, they're like, man, I'm going to enter the real world. Um, or if they have like a, a bachelor or a bachelorette party, I'm going to get married. I got to settle down. So let's get all the crazy out. Um, it's kind of <laughs> like that where it's, the season that's meant to be a good thing to take um, devotion seriously, to take charity seriously. Um, and it's turned into this festival on the front end of like, let's just live for me for a little bit longer before I have to like, you know, live for God and live for other people. You know, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And it could be that now uh, I'm a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in me. So maybe that's why I don't get it. Uh, but it's like, when you think about like what you said, okay, I'm about to get married. Okay, I'm going to yeah. settle down. And I have to focus on one woman now. So before I do that, the bachelor party needs to be filled with strippers. You know, like, like to me, that doesn't like tell the world that what you're about to do is, in terms of just getting married to one woman, is that meaningful. Yeah. Like, I don't think it tells me that personally. I don't know. Am I off here? No, there's definitely a disconnect of what, what is the point of what's going on? Like marriage, what is the point of Lent? Like it's, it's not like, ah, oh, man, it's a, a bummer rule that's going to be enforced, so let's have fun before the rule's in place. Um, right. No, it's this good commitment that you should be working towards all the time. Um, and I'll admit that I didn't know Mardi Gras was connected to Ash Wednesday and Lent um, for the longest time. So I just thought, like, hey, I mean, holidays are cool, festivals are cool. So I thought, like, oh, that sounds neat. Um, but yeah, once you realize that it, it was kind of originated as this chance of, like, one last hurrah before 
taking faith a little bit more seriously. Um, it is kind of like, oh man, it really undercuts what Lent is about if it's, well, we'll have our fun time and then we'll have our sad time over here, you know. Yeah, very good. And so also, if you're listening, what we're always doing on here is giving macro teachings and then you get to make the micro application. So like if you go to a restaurant on uh, Tuesday before Ash Wednesday and you have a certain kind of food or something, we're not shooting you down. Yeah. But we are going to kind of give some macro teachings about this whole thing and how it can be meaningful and some pitfalls you can avoid. Um, so, all right, so you got Tuesday and then obviously Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday um, is observed by Catholics, Lutherans, Anglicans, that would be also Episcopalians, some Reformed churches, some Baptists, Methodists, including Nazarenes and Wesleyans, the Evangelical Covenant Church, some Mennonites, the Moravian Church, um, and then also um, this, uh, my, my documentation here indicates that the community of Christ also observes it. So a lot of Christians have jumped on this. Um, it started at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. That council came together to actually answer a different question. The question that they were answering was, is Jesus really God yeah. uh, become a, a human being? They answered that biblically and faithfully, but then they also said, all right, we're going to have a church-wide fast during this time, and it's going to last for 40 days. And I believe that the 40 days counts all the days except for Sundays in the season of Lent, and it leads up to Good Friday. Um, so fasting, I want to just start off with this. Okay, so we're going to talk about fasting in a negative legalistic point of view but then also in a biblical point of view. Mm -hmm. So negative legalistic point of view, I would just start off by saying, all right, I grew up and our family's tradition was you don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. Sure. I never knew why. All I knew was if I didn't eat meat, I would have more favor with God. But then also if I did uh, eat meat on a Friday, I could be punished by God. So like, that's all I really knew. Yeah, better check um, the ingredients closely. Yeah, Yeah, right. So uh, fasting can become a legalistic thing. So Definitely. legalism is when you think you're doing something, you're observing a human tradition to obtain righteousness before God, that's legalism. The gospel is good news that we're saved by sheer grace alone. Legalism can also be when you say, I'm going to observe this human tradition and if you don't, then I'm going to judge you. Mm. I'm going to judge you because you're not doing it. I'm holier than you. I don't eat meat on Fridays. Yeah. Why are you going to Shanahan's? It's not appropriate. <laughs> so um, what I would say just to kind of um, you know, roll with this thought for a bit is if you have a Bible or if you like to dive in, Colossians 3 verses 21 to 23, the Apostle Paul is shooting down kind of a theology of ascetism. Ascetism is you treat your body harshly mm -hmm. to show righteousness. And he says, "Why you guys are Christians. Why do you submit to the world's regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Mm -hmm. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. So he's, yeah. he's saying, hey, these are human ideas. But then he says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in, in promoting self-made religion. Like, 
And I think that's true. Like when you hear about somebody that's like, hey, I'm giving up all this stuff for Lent, it, it always elicits a lack of like an uncomfort from other people. They're like, yeah. oh, I'm not. why are you doing that? Like, yeah. I'm not doing it, right? Yeah. It, it looks like it has wisdom, right? But then he says, and ascetism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So in other words, if you're fasting, but you're still angry and grumpy and you're mean to everyone <laughs> and you're not really growing to be more like Jesus, yeah. it's, it's seen, it, it would appear that it's a legalistic observation for you. Yep. Um, however, I would say this. Um, there can be a positive biblical view of fasting, which is very prominent, and we'll go into that. Yep. But is there anything you wanted to add, PJ, on the pitfalls of a legalistic approach to fasting? Yeah, I think a couple of things I'd highlight. So I think you did a great job explaining that fasting is never meant to be like, I'm going to be holier because of this. Um, if I'm not doing a certain fast, God's mad at me um, because, you know, true Christians are always giving this up on these days. Um, so we got to be careful of that. You know, Jesus has a bunch of warnings against how we fast. You talked about being grumpy. If you're telling the whole world you're fasting, you're just asking for people to think that you're more holy. You know, he says, you know, clean up, look nice, you know, have a cheerful face so nobody can tell, right? So a true fast is one that, you know, people don't need to know about. They probably shouldn't know about. Sometimes it'll come up. You know, it's not that if somebody, oh, no, found out I'm fasting, like, I'm busted. Um, <laughs> again, that's legalistic. So you just, right. with grace, you're, why are you doing this? And then I just give a caution too. you know, we live in a world where a lot of people struggle with eating disorders. Um, we very much prize a, a one body type, you know, especially in women, but some men are affected by this too, of very small. So I know a lot of women struggle with eating disorders where it's hard to eat. It's hard to um, care for and love their bodies. And so sometimes when fasting is used legalistically, it can be a trigger for those kind of things. So we just always want to be careful when we're telling somebody you need to fast. Um, because for some people, if it, that fast is giving up food, um, that might trigger some tendencies where they already struggle to eat. And maybe the best thing to care for their body as a gift from God is to give it nutrients. Um, so mm -hmm. we just want to be careful. And, and so if you're yeah. somebody who struggles with Eating disorder has a history of um, you're not lesser than if you're making the loving choice to eat and not fast yeah. from food. You can fast from other yeah. things too that might be more beneficial too. It's really well said. So in other words, Jesus is always focused on the why. Yeah. The why of our life. So if you're listening, what's your why? You know, what's your why in your life? What's your why during Lent? And I think God will honor those whys that come from the Holy Spirit, that come from the gospel. And the gospels of Jesus does lead us to fast. It mm -hmm. can lead us to fast. So a positive view of fasting would be Jesus himself. He took 40 days, um, which is in the wilderness, preparing for his public ministry. Mm -hmm. And one thing he said, which I think is very biblical and guiding for us as a spiritual discipline in our understanding of fasting is he told Satan who came to tempt him, mm -hmm. man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So for Jesus, he didn't just fast uh, as a legalistic discipline, but he fasted in conjunction with the word of God in prayer. So if you can combine your fasting yeah. with the word of God in prayer, let's say you just fast from dinner and you say, I'm going to devote this night to devotions and prayers for my family and my church. That could be pretty meaningful yeah. in your life. Um, and so 
PJ, did you have any thoughts about a positive view of fasting? Yeah, I think you hit on it really well with what's the why. You know, fasting is not meant to be a look how holy I am, but it's meant to draw us closer to God. That's really the season of Lent is a refocusing, um, a reflection to make space for God in our lives, to, you know, to do acts of mercy, to dedicate time to prayer, to devotion, to scripture. Um, and that quote from Jesus is so powerful that we live off um, the word of God. And so you think about the connection between our stomach, our hunger. So when people would traditionally give up food, as they felt and experienced that hunger, man, I really would love food. It was a reminder, I should pray because that is where true life comes from. That is, mm -hmm. Jesus is the bread of life. And so there's a connection between that yearning physically and that yearning spiritually. Mm -hmm. um, I had friends who went through like Lent and they would fast and they would kind of what you just described, they'd, you know, maybe skip lunch, but they didn't go to lunch and then look at everybody and pal, you know, oh, it looks really nice, which I could eat it. They just quietly went off into their own little space and they had a small devotional time where they read through some psalms, some prayers, sang a hymn. Um, and it was for them just a chance to, I'm hungry right now, but I'm going to dedicate this time and this yearning to God's word to be built up and to increase my dependency upon him. So if used in the right spirit, and if that's the goal and it's filled with time of prayer, time of scripture, um, time of giving, uh, it can be a really edifying building up experience for Christians. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is, that is really good, PJ. And one thing that has always been tied into this season is ashes. Mm -hmm. So ashes are tied into this season. Uh, and the reason of, for that is it's tied into repentance. Mm -hmm. So repentance is at the heart of Lent. Yeah. At some churches, when you put the ashes on your forehead, you will hear these words. Tonight, we're going to be, we're recording this on Ash Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And so we will have these words shared with people as they receive the ashes. Repent and believe in the gospel. And repentance begins with a godly conviction that you need to change. Mm -hmm. It leads to confessing, admitting to that wrongdoing, saying, hey, I'm going to admit to this. I'm going to own this. Yep. You receive forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ who washes away your sin. And then you seek to grow. You seek to right wrongs. You seek to grow in that part of your life. Um, and so what has been connected to repentance is ashes. So if you're watching online, you'll notice that PJ and I have ashes on our forehead this concept comes in many places in the Bible. Mm -hmm. 1 Samuel 13, 19, Job 42, verses 5 and 6, Jeremiah 6, 26, Daniel 9, 3, Numbers 19, 9, Jonah chapter 3, verse 6, which will be the basis of our preaching tonight. Mm -hmm. um, Esther chapter 4, verse 1, Hebrews 9, 13. And then Jesus says this, If the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. Luke 10, 13, Matthew 11, verse 21. And so what is this all about, PJ? Uh, do you want to elaborate, like, what is the tie-in for ashes and repentance? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a cool symbol. There's a few different places it stems from. Just one being that it is a, a dark, dirty substance. And so you think of it's not cheerful and happy and like, wow, look at that, just glimmering. Um, it's a very sorrowful, dark, you know, it's burnt. Um, it comes from a substance like palm branches or wood that's, you know, died, that's been burned up. And you think all the way back at the very beginning, so God creates humanity and he 
um, where he speaks so many things to existence. Let there be light, light. Let there be uh, birds, there's birds. Uh, but for humanity, he actually takes dirt of the earth um, and he forms it into human, humans and then breathes life into it. And then when humans rebel against God and sin, um, part of the curse that's put upon the creation is that as humans came from dust, they're going to return to dust. And so ashes and dust are this very intimate image of our mortality, um, that we mm-hmm. ultimately are our dust that God has chosen to create and love, but by our own sins, well, all we deserve is just to be returned to dust, returned to ashes, returned to the earth. Um, that's what we deserve based mm. off our own merits. Wow. And so it's an acknowledgement of that to say, it's not because I'm great. This is what I deserve. Um, but it's in that repentance that we turn to God and ask for a hope in a future brighter than just becoming ash again. Wow. That requires humility, doesn't it? Yeah. That's a lot of humility needed. That's in a humble awareness of your sin and your weakness and your imperfections. I think we live in a culture where we're quick to blame. Mm-hmm. We're quick to find fault with other people. Yeah. Um, slow to take ownership. And... We're slow to take ownership. Yeah. And if someone does take ownership, we usually think it's their PR team telling them what to say or yeah. something. Or right? it's a weakness. Or like, it's a weakness, yeah. like you own something. But, you know, this is a big part of Christianity, isn't it? We're called to approach the cross empty-handed. We're we're approaching the cross with ownership of our sin. And so this really ties in well, because see, what we're saying tonight on Ash Wednesday is in 40 days, we're observing the death of Jesus for us. So let's own why he had to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's own why these 40 days are leading to this in the first yeah. place. Um, so you also mentioned an association with ashes, mourning, and death. And it's uh, an awareness that sin leads to death. It's also an aware- awareness, too, like in many cultures, when there's a death, people wear black. Yeah. Like, you're wearing black today. I'm wearing black today. Um, it is an awareness of, like, we're not just happy <laughs> because this person died. We don't like this as Americans, right? No. We'd rather do celebration of life. Like, we don't want to think about, like, we don't want to be down because our friend died. We would Mm -hmm. rather just celebrate their life. Just be cheerful and keep moving on. But what if there's something there that we miss in the grieving process? Mm -hmm. What if there's something there we miss in the ownership process, in the healing process, you know? And so, uh, so tonight, when you get the ashes on your forehead, you're essentially saying... I repent mm-hmm. and I want to change my life. Yeah. PJ, you want to piggyback on any of that? Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. Um, and just being willing to give death and our mortality just its credence because we are quick to move past it. If anyone's read um, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, that book, a big theme of this kind of dystopian future is that they're always distracted from real emotions and suffering. And so um, in kind of hospitals where people are dying, they they have ice cream and everything's cheerful and they have like fun games on TV. And the whole point is like, oh, this doesn't really matter. It, you know, it's just part of life. And, you know, as Christians, we realize death is not part of life. This is part of a curse. And the, the resurrection and the new life in Jesus doesn't get to mean anything unless death is reality. And so um, just giving it its full forbearance, man, it is sad that we live in a world of death. And, and it's okay to say that, you know, we don't have to brush past it and say, oh, it's not a big deal. Um, because we also know that through death, um, Jesus has now brought about new life. And so 
even while we mourn death, which we should, we also, as Paul says, you know, we grieve as those with hope. We grieve death, but we have a hope that one day death's going to be undone because it's already been defeated. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And what a great hope we have, that, and it's also grounded in the resurrection. So yeah. it's not like, you know, we'll talk about this next time we do our podcast, but it's not like some dude just said, hey, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. And somebody told me in the, wilder, you know, in, the, in the wilderness that this is what you can expect. With Jesus, we have a demonstration yeah. of it. We watched death be defeated. We watched a man overcome. The public watched it, yeah. right? Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then finally, PJ, and for our listeners, I think we should cover this. Ash Wednesday is a holy day mm-hmm. in the church. Yeah. But we need to nail down what Romans says. Paul says in Romans, for one person, a holy day is really important. For another person, this holy day is not as important. Now, what, why does he say that? I think he says that because we are free in Christ. Mm-hmm. We are free from man-made traditions in Christ, but we may choose to practice them. Yeah. So in other words, Lent can be spiritually really useful. Um, Ash Wednesday can be really spiritually useful. But then, if, but it's voluntary. Yeah. And we don't need to, you know, go crazy with it. But we may say, hey, I'm going to, repent of my discontentment. I'm going to repent of anxiety that's really overtaking me. Um, I'm going to repent of my hate towards another person in my life, and I'm going to go make peace. Um, It could be so many things that are spiritually useful to your sanctification. That's a word that just means to be made more holy. Yeah. But then if it's not that, and it's something legalistic, we would just caution you and say, you could utilize this spiritual season for something better than that. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. Again, it goes into that legalistic. If, if anyone holds up and says, you know, you need to go to Ash Wednesday, otherwise you're not a true Christian or you're not a faithful Christian, you got to pump the brakes on that. I, I think Ash Wednesday and all of Lent is a huge blessing, and I'm so thankful the church has honored this time, and, and it's in our congregations too, I'm thankful that as the body of Christ, we gather around this season kind of, with a common thought, a common heart um, towards repentance, towards charity, towards love, um, towards devotion to God. Um, while at the same time, we never want to use it again as a place to feel superior. Like, oh, that person doesn't do anything for Lent. Like, ha, you know, how minor of a Christian or, you know, how little. Um, so just, again, approaching with the right spirit. Because like Paul is cautioning against people who, I mean, you can always make up more holy days. I have a, a little daily reading plan and there's um, commemorations for all sorts of different um people that scripture talks about, some other church um, influential like missionaries and teachers. And I mean, you could have a holy day every day. And that's, and if all of a sudden you're going to start judging everyone else on those, you know, you're just going to find yourself constantly judging, which is not the spirit we want to live in, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in a season where we're repenting of our own sinfulness and our own pride. So um, I think you're 100% right. Just going about it with the right understanding. This is not to feel superior. This is for our building up and it is a good thing. So I'd encourage Mm -hmm. anyone to take part in Ash Wednesday, take part in Lent, um, mm. to use this as a time to pick up an extra devotion, find some way to show love to somebody, reconcile like you talked about, um, while also not feeling like if I goof up or if I don't do it just right, I'm gonna, God's gonna hate me. Like you talked about with your, you know, giving up meat earlier, like, oh no, if I eat meat on a Friday, <laughs> I'm gonna be punished. No, 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 that's not how, you know. But if you wanna give up meat on a Friday because it draws you closer to God and you wanna use that time for prayer, go for it. Amen. 
And then also, PJ, and I'm, I'm free in Christ, so yeah. I'm just going to say it. But it all leads to Easter Sunday. Yeah. And Easter Sunday is really elating when you did observe 40 days of Lent and Good yeah. Friday to culminate it. And you watched Jesus be buried in the tomb. Yeah. And you heard the tomb slam closed. And then mm. you get on Easter Sunday, and man, awesome. there's a reason why it's like our favorite day of the year. Yeah. Because we know he rose, and his victory is our victory, and here we go. Yeah, that's so true. When you, when you face the, the lowest things and, you know, the somber reality, just how much greater of a joy does it just experience on Easter Sunday when it's like, wow, all of that, those sins that I've done have been defeated, conquered. They brought him to the cross, but he rose from the grave. I'm like, just rejoice. Yeah. Amen. If you're listening, we're so grateful. And if this was a blessing to you and you feel like it might be a blessing to a family member or a friend, you're welcome to follow and share. Um, if you also have a question that you'd like for us to tackle on here, we would love to consider that for a future podcast. And you can email at hello at sjdenver.org. Happy Ash Wednesday. Happy Lent. We'll see you next time. Take care.